from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Chris Lee, Dennis Cox here with you this afternoon on The Fan. Graham Hill is producing us today. If you missed any of the show, check it out on the best of 99.9 The Fan podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Also, go to 99.9 The Fan's YouTube page as well. Elbow drop that subscribe button, Chris. Hit that notification bell as well. We're almost to 5,000 followers. Almost to 5,000 followers. Pretty awesome. A lot of things to dive into, including what the Carolina Hurricanes might be doing tonight. NHL draft gets underway. Are they picking someone at 30? They're moving up. They're trading out. Are they trading that pick for a player? Also, the ACC-SEC challenge is here. We have our schedule for that. Shohei Otani continues to crush baseballs and also strike dudes out. But there's some local things in the NBA that we got to get to first. Let's get to the daily checkdowns. I got five on it. Chris, you mentioned it earlier. Two of North Carolina's best, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, their teammates. Steph Curry is looking forward to having CP3 alongside him. Yeah, and uh, one of the things he said is that uh, Chris Paul has made every team he's been on better. And we saw that, like... You know, the Clippers for a long time were not a winning franchise. You mm-hmm. get Chris Paul on it, all of a sudden you're expecting to go to the playoffs every year. Uh, you can make the argument that the uh, Houston Rockets could have won uh, the NBA championship the year that Chris Paul and, and James Harden were absolutely just killing things. But Chris Paul ends up getting hurt. It looked like they were going to have the Golden State Warriors dead in the water. And then all of a sudden, uh, Chris Paul is hurt. Warriors move on. Um, and then the year that Chris Paul was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was supposed to be a throwaway year, right? Like, you know, the Thunder, they were not good. It was a collection of a lot of young talent. And Chris Paul is able to get them to sneak into the playoffs as the eight seed. And that was the year of the bubble. And then he goes to to Phoenix. And yeah, the Suns were rising. Uh, They were starting to become uh, pretty good, but they were not a, a consistently good team before Chris Paul got there. Chris Paul got them to the finals and showed uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton how to be winners. So I actually like this fit for uh, the Golden State Warriors. It's Chris Paul is not the traditional guy you think about with this iteration of the Warriors and what they could use. But here's the thing that, that makes me like it, Dennis. Okay. The Warriors had the most turnovers by any team last year with 1,336. That's a lot. One three three six. So how do you fix one three three six? Well, bring in one guy from the three three six who takes care of the ball, who has one of the best assist to turnover ratios in Chris Paul. Now we're not sure exactly what they're going to do as far as their starting lineup, what's going to happen in free agency and things like that. But my assumption is that you have your starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevon Looney. That means that Chris Paul is probably going to be a part of your second unit, especially during the regular season, to come off the bench. Mm -hmm. And where have the Golden State Warriors been in trouble the most when it comes down to the turnovers? It was when Steph Curry and Draymond Green went to the the bench, especially uh, Steph Curry when he went to the bench. That team could not keep the ball in their possession whatsoever. whatsoever. Led the NBA in turnovers at 1,336. So I actually like this. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors. Now, when it comes down to them uh, passing a bunch before the shot clock is is going off, Chris Paul's shown the ability to make open shots as well. So uh, he's not a three-point marksman like Stephen Clay, but I definitely can see a, a situation with him 
maybe upticking his uh, three-point percentage a little bit because he could potentially get more looks being on the same floor as those guys. It potentially could happen. I'm, I'm curious how, in terms of his pace of play, if he's going to have to accelerate that in order to match what those guys do. So uh, he's going to have to adjust his style a little bit in order to fit into what Steve Kerr likes to do. But speaking of state of North Carolina and basketball, our airness, Michael Jordan, well, he has a pair of shoes that he wore pair of Jordan sevens that he wore in 1992 as part of the dream team that are signed by him that are up for auction right now. The auction bid closes in just over two hours, Chris, at a, just, just before seven 30 right now, the, the top bid stands at $75,000. Do you think we can pull some together and in, in the next couple hours, we could pull together some money, pull together some funds, make a, maybe take out an equity loan and get these pairs of shoes. I want them, Chris. I want these things to happen. Sounds like you need to start your own collective. <laughs> a pack of shoes collective. Yeah, I might. I might actually <laughs> so you can buy all he, these. You know what? It'll, it'll be interesting to see if somebody at some point uh, comes up with like a museum of like just historic basketball shoes. Right. Yeah. Um, it will be cool to kind of see that. And Jordan, of course, will have to have his own wing. Uh, having, the, you know, he wore these shoes for the flu game. He wore these shoes for, you know, the Olympics, you know, whatever it, el- it yeah. is. But it'll be cool to see that. And no, at Capital BST, they have a, a few uh, Jordan worn shoes as well. Oh, yeah. They have some original Jordan ones that are out there. They have some uh, exclusive stuff that's actually out there that, uh, that were player exclusive stuff out there, including uh, a pair of Zions that were made for him after he blew out that one shoe. They actually have a pair of those. I can tell that story a little bit later on. All right, next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. So we saw news reported earlier today that the NFL, that a handful of NFL players, including Indianapolis Colts quarterback, uh, cornerback, and, and kick returner Isaiah Rogers, they're expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for violating the NFL's policy on gambling. This is according to sources that tell Adam Schefter. Uh, we have heard earlier this week about how the NFL, as the the season gets underway here in about a month, that the NFL is going to have representatives go out to every single team to reinforce the NFL's gambling rules and the NFL's gambling policy when it comes to when you can place bets, what you can bet on, when you can't do it, and so forth. But I know the question going through a lot of people's heads, Chris, when they hear about multiple players in the NFL, they're going to receive season-long suspensions. Who's getting suspended? I want to know names. I need to know names. Is it someone on my favorite team? If not, cool. Is it someone on the team I hate the most that's getting suspended? Because, hey, you know what? Okay, you know, they broke the rules, whatever. That's fine. You know what? That's going through a lot of people's heads right now. But in all seriousness, though, we're starting to see more and more guys that have violated the league's policies regarding the gambling. And I'm I'm wondering now, it should have happened a year ago, but I wonder how much teams right now are cracking down with their guys reinforcing these rules. Hey, guys, we're seeing suspensions. Do yeah. not break the rules. Well, you would also hope that, guys, it'll start to sink in for a lot of other guys, right? Like That's what I mean, People looked at yeah. Calvin Ridley – and and maybe thought huh that's bad but it's not going to happen to me and now they're starting to see it happen to more and more people and today you learned about isaiah rogers and there's potentially other other people to do it so you hope that the players themselves it it won't take the teams 
or the NFLPA to do this, that the players themselves can look at the situation and say, is it worth me losing an entire year of my NFL salary, which wasn't guaranteed from the beginning? Yeah. Right. Uh, I could get hurt. I could, uh, you know, simply cut myself at home, walking around and lose my NBA career, uh, NFL career. Excuse me. Um, is it going to be worth it? No, it's not worth it. So I hope that they will look for, look at this, learn from this and move on. Uh, you know, you don't need to place any bets that bad, especially if it's on the NFL. Uh, if you want to bet on things, bet on things that are not NFL related, shoot, do it that things that are not football related mm -hmm. and do not do it, uh, at the facility, because that is the number one way to get yourself in trouble. Just do it at home in the privacy of your own home. And, and put it on like a, a computer that's never going to leave your home, that's never going to be inside of a facility just so uh, it doesn't track. The geo trackers don't track you uh, having a, a, a bet out there placed at the facility on your phone or something like so that. So the six points of emphasis from the NFL, again, are don't bet on the NFL, just straight up, don't do that. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Those are workplace rules. That makes sense. Hotels, buses, airplanes, they all that all kind count. of stuff. Yep. While traveling on the road. Also, third one, don't have someone bet for you. You know? Don't have someone yep. use their account to bet for you. Also, don't share team, quote, inside information, right? Like, don't tell somebody, be like, hey, so-and-so is actually you know battling this injury or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Also, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. So you can't go into Vegas and the Caesars into a sports book during the season, right? And last one is don't play daily fantasy football as well because, again, money can be exchanged during daily fantasy football. You might have insider information regarding daily fantasy sports regarding, oh, I know this person's going to be more part of the game plan this week. I'm going to put yep. them, you know, all my daily fantasy stuff. So those kinds of things as well. So hopefully the NFL players really start to realize, oh, they're being serious about this, which the NFL should be. All right, let's get to the next thing. One, two, three. So Shohei Otani, the LA Angels yesterday, hit two home runs, had four plate appearances, went three for three, also had a walk, hit two home runs, also pitched six in a third innings and struck out 10 guys and only gave up one earned run in a 4-2 win for the Angels over the White Sox. We are witnessing... Oh, generational talent right in front of us, Chris. And I hate the fact that he's on the West Coast. I don't get a chance to watch him very often. It and sucks. when you say generational, like legit, like yeah. in a few generations, Shohei Otani of the Angels is the first Major League Baseball player to reach base four-plus times, hit two-plus home runs, mm -hmm. strike out ten-plus batters in all, all in one game, since Jack Stivitz did it for the St. Louis Browns mm. against the Toledo Mommies on June 10th, 1890. Huh. This happened, this last happened before m most of our great grandparents were even born. Yeah. It's crazy. It's an, it's insane to think about what the what he's doing. He's actually just in terms of what he does at the plate, in terms of his batting, Chris. At the plate in games where he pitches, he hits 407. <laughs> he hits over 400 in the games where he's Crazy. pitching. It's absolutely wild to think about. His projected final season stats, he's going to hit over 300, 304, 
with 186 hits, 30 doubles, 8 triples, 56 home runs, which will be in the top 20 all time in terms of home runs hit in a season, plus 128 RBIs, 110 runs, and 22 steals as well. On top of that with his pitching stats, looking at 32 games started, nearly 200 innings pitched, 14-plus wins, ERA about three, and 254 strikeouts. Insane numbers from one guy. Here's something that it made me think about, right? I have a great-grandfather who died when I was eight years old. Okay. Um, He was born in 1884. Mm. And when he died, he was 110 years old. Wow. Now, imagine the life that this guy lived and all the changes that he saw. I mean, basically, he was born 19 years after – yeah, slavery was officially abolished and then all the changes he saw in life up until 1994 when he died and the last time show somebody had this type of a performance is when my great-grandfather who died at 110 when he was six years old Jeez, it's just ridiculous to think about it's ridiculous to think about he's uh he's a he's a once-in-a-lifetime once in every other lifetime type player. I just hope we all sit back and just enjoy what we get to witness and what we're blessed with watching. All right, next one. And I don't even care who number two is. Chris, the ACC Big Ten challenge is gone because the Big Ten stinks. ACC (laughs) dominated that challenge. We needed better competition, so we brought in the SEC to maybe give us some real competition. Sorry, I had to take a quick cough break. Uh, oh, that's fine. Still doing some <laughs> dealing with some effects of COVID. Yeah, man, it's um, it's been amazing uh, to to see what the ACC has done in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Thirteen, eight, and one overall, I believe, is the yeah. final um, uh, record for the ACC and the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So now a new challenge, ACC SEC Challenge, and right now, you know, a lot of folks will have the SEC as the best conference in college basketball, mm-hmm. but I think the ACC has a lot to say about that and. Here are some of the men's matchups that I'm excited to see. NC State at Ole Miss. Jarkel Joyner, who are you cheering for because you played for both teams? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be on November 28th. Tennessee at UNC, November 29th. Uh, Rick Barnes is going to be the most hated guy in the city of Chapel Hill, in the town of Chapel Hill that particular day. And then on November 29th, Duke at Arkansas. And, uh, you know, Duke and Arkansas, have they have a long history dating back 30 years. Uh, some recent history as well. So one of the things that I like about this, maybe some new rivalries start to come out of this. Yeah, we wanted to see Duke and Kentucky or UNC and Kentucky, but maybe some new uh, rivalries can come out of this. And on the women's side, Vanderbilt at North Carolina State. That's going to be November 29th. Uh, November 30th, South Carolina at UNC. Yeah, that's that a big is one. huge. That's the best one. women's basketball team of the last few years uh, going against the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. At uh, Carmichael Arena, that's the one that I'm actually uh, the most excited to see. And then Duke at Georgia on November 30th as well. So um, this new uh, this new challenge is fruitful. But here's here's the key common denominator for all of these challenges. What's that? It's the ACC. You can't yeah. have a challenge and have a legit one that's going to mean anything if you don't have the ACC in it. So that just shows that the ACC still is king. When it comes to basketball. That it is. And this is something where the ACC 
can continue to change or hopefully change the narrative regarding the conversations about it being a down conference or not as good as it used to be. Win these games, win this challenge, prove, prove what we already know, that they're the best basketball conference ever. Not just right now, but ever, Chris. All right, let's get to our top story. NHL draft is tonight. Carolina Hurricanes, if you want to watch them you know, make their draft choice, it's 30th, so you know what? Go out and enjoy a nice dinner tonight uh, like my girlfriend and I are going to do for her birthday. We're celebrating her birthday, which is today. Happy birthday, babe. So go out and enjoy oh, a nice birthday, dinner. Happy birthday, Aaron. Yeah, go, go out there, enjoy it, and have fun, and then come back, and you can and, and, and watch the Canes pick 30th or – do they potentially move that pick, Chris? They could potentially trade up if they have someone they really like. If there's not someone there available at 30 that they really enjoy, trade down. Potentially get more draft capital that you can use to potentially acquire other players. Mike Meniscalco, who's the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, he spoke with Hayes Permar earlier today. Hayes Permar sitting in for Adam Gold for the Adam Gold Show, which you can hear from noon to 3 right here on The Fan Talk about how trading picks really is a big thing when it comes to the NBA. Or sorry, the NFL, NFL, the NHL draft. If, if you think the NBA trades picks, <laughs> wait till tonight. Um, and, and the games are are not bashful about moving down or moving up. Yep. But really, uh, Carolina has, especially since Don Waddell has, has taken over as the, the general manager of the team and with assistant general managers Eric Polsky and, and Darren York, uh, they're not afraid to move out of a pick to move down because of the way that they scout and have belief in their draft board to move down a couple of spaces to pick up another pick. All right, so that's something we might see the Carolina Hurricanes do because they they rely heavily on analytics, Chris, in terms of finding the best value for players, and they find some really good players in, in middle parts of the draft. Now the question is, with the salary cap being a hard cap in the NHL, Teams that actually have some salary cap struggles in terms of they need to shed some salaries, how does that affect the NHL draft? Maniscalco talked about that as well. There are some teams that need to make some moves because they're in salary cap problems. Carolina's not one, so maybe they're moving a pick uh, to bring somebody in. Now, that's no that's no inside baseball. I, right, I have right, not right. gotten a phone call today being consulted on my thoughts on a trade, but <laughs> uh, that's what you see. That's what you see in the NHL really deals get made uh, at the, at the NHL draft where you're going to see players move uh, because some team has a salary cap constraint. Good news is the cap went up a million dollars, but the bad news is it's only a million dollars. So uh, it, it's better for the Canes. It gives them a little bit more leverage, but it's not going to help out some of these teams where that becomes good for Carolina. So that's something we might see tonight. We heard from Don Waddell. You and I talked to him a couple weeks ago. We heard of him uh, at his exit interviews right after the season was that they're going to look to explore the trade market first before Saturday's uh, free agency opening period, which is July 1st. They're going to look to maybe make trades first. We might see guys that are currently on the roster along with some of these picks get moved in the next couple of days, Chris. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see all that happens. And I know there's going to be a, a very uh, a very busy next few days for the Carolina Hurricanes as hopefully what the 2023-2024 roster will begin to take shape. Um, I'm of the camp that, you know, if, if that first pick that's number 30 in that first round of the draft tonight, if mm-hmm. it has value 
and you can use that value uh, to use that to get a player that is available for you this year, please use it to do that. Yeah. Right. Whatever you got to use to put it together uh, because you know, whoever's going to get picked at number 30, sure. They're a fine player. You're going to get picked at number 30 in the first round of the NHL draft for a reason, but we all know, unless you're just absolutely spectacular, you're probably not going to be in the NHL for at least another uh, two to three, maybe more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're that spectacular, well, your name is Connor Bernard and you're going number one overall. Well, right? yeah. So, um, so <laughs> there's the thing with that. So um, really excited to see what the Canes can potentially do. Um, it sounds like they're going to be very aggressive uh, during the next few days. We'll see what happens. That could potentially start tonight. Some things that we hope to hear this weekend. So when Saturday, July 1st rolls around, that's when free agency opens up. So we're going to see a, potentially a flurry of trade. We've already seen multiple trades happening in the last just couple of days already this week. We're, we're likely to see even more trades, like Mike Maniscalco said, uh, for players that are currently on rosters, for teams that are in salary cap purgatory. So you might be able to flip third and fourth round picks to get quality players right now. But on Saturday, when free agency actually does get started, this is when we hope to hear of an eight-year contract extension for a guy like Sebastian Ajo. We talked to Walt Ruff earlier today about it. You can listen to that on the Best of 99.9 The Fan podcast. It's also already up on 99.9 The Fan's YouTube page. But my guess is we're going to hear sometime Saturday that Sebastian Ajo contract extension, Chris. And I can't wait for that news to drop. Same here. And and we already got the great news about uh, Jordan Stahl. Yep. That's exactly what we needed. We know that uh, most of the core is not going anywhere. Uh, so we'll see what happens for the future for the Carolina Hurricanes. The pieces are there mm-hmm. for them to continue to make runs. But what can they do over the next few days to not only just make a run, but get over the hump and bring back a championship to Raleigh?